Hey, good morning. Good to see you all today. Hope you're doing well. I, uh, I'm excited for this morning. I want to just take a minute before we start and pray. Uh, I just felt something in worship that um, just the sense that there's, there's those of us in the room that are just, just feel like we're in a dry place, that feel like we're in a kind of God trying to find you in, in a fresh way in my life. And I was this psalm came to mind, Psalm 63, that says, God, you're my God, early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you, in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Like you feel like you're in that dry and thirsty land where there's no water. But I want to tell you, there is water there. You might be, feel like you're in a dry place, but God has something for you. He wants to meet you there. It's not, <laughs> it's not abnormal to get into a dry place in your walk with the Lord. It's not abnormal to go through those kinds of feelings. Thank God we don't always just walk by sight. We walk by faith. Emotions are great. They color in life. It's wonderful to experience emotions and, you know, just to like have all those different feelings. But sometimes our emotions are... Uh, they're not the best guide in our lives. And we have to come back to that place of trust and leaning into the Lord. So I just want to pray over this message. I want to pray over all of us. Just put your hand on your heart today. Lord, this morning, I just thank you for this moment we have in your house. And Lord, I particularly pray over each of my sisters and brothers here in the room that feel like they're in a dry season, a wilderness time, a desert time. Lord, I thank you that your word is full of examples of incredible beauty that happens, beautiful encounters and transformation that takes place in the wilderness where water comes out of a rock, where you make rivers in the desert, where Jesus, you yourself came out of the wilderness in the power of the spirit, where the bride comes out leaning on the arm of her beloved. Lord, I pray today in the midst of what feels dry, your presence, your refreshing, your blessing, your encouragement. Lord, even as it goes on to say, I've uh, looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and to see your glory. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for bringing refreshing in that place. Speak to us through your word this morning, I pray. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you're meeting us right where we are, wherever we are in our lives, wherever we are in our walk, wherever we are, whatever season we're in, you're meeting us. And we thank you for it. And we pray this all together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, last Sunday, Dustin shared a message to, uh, along the topic of to be like Christ, a message about going on in our maturity and becoming childlike, not childish, really growing, uh, returning to that place of wonder, being transformed, all of those topics. And today I feel like I have a message that's going to be related to that. And I, I just sense that this August, as we're getting ready for next month, getting ready to get into our new school calendar year. Actually, it's this month, not next month. Has, uh, you know, is anybody still locked into the September calendar from when they were a kid? But like school starts in August now. It's really, really kind of crazy. Got to recalibrate to that. But I feel like the Lord is, is calling us in this season back to the life of a disciple, to really remember what it means to be a disciple, to be in the way of Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus 
come hell or high water, come on y'all, to really learn to follow him no matter what's going on around our lives. Can somebody shout amen this morning? That, that we learn to be a people that never let our love get quenched because of circumstances, that never stop following because of situations, that continue to, to take up our cross daily and follow him with all that we are. Like I just feel like there's this renewal of that, uh, this renewal of discipleship, uh, that uh, a discipleship focus that it's just good to come back to. Because, you know, sometimes life gets complicated and, and busy, and we need to return to the simplicity that is essential for the followers, for all followers of Jesus. We need to refocus. We need to realign. We just uh, got new tires on our Mazda, and I did a road trip this week to Southern California with Benjamin uh, to do a college orientation. And as we were driving with our brand new tires, we noticed that the alignment was slightly off. And the car kept pulling to the right, like all the way down I-5, you know, all the way over the grapevine, just kind of pulling. And there was a constant need to like adjust it. You know your alignment's off when your steering wheel is crooked and you're going straight, right? That's, that's kind of what we had to, had to do. And, you know, you add some of those high winds to that. There was a lot of wind this week. You add a few crazy I-5 drivers into that mix. And it just makes the journey a bit more difficult. And just having good tires isn't enough. Just having... Uh, just having, just knowing the right information in our minds isn't enough. You can have the best tires in the world, but if you don't have them properly aligned, the journey is going to be more difficult. It's going to have more wear and tear and all of that. So we had our tires aligned yesterday, so hopefully the tires will last a long time. But I just, um, I feel like our, our walk with the Lord is like those tires. We need to have our life realigned with Him from time to time. Otherwise, we're going to get worn out, Our like those tires get worn out too early. Otherwise, we're always going to get pulled to the left or to the right. And the things of this world are going to have more pull on our lives than they should. Distractions and uh, things are going to have influence of our, of our heart, over our hearts that they really should not have influence over. Places in our lives they should not have influence over. So, um, there's all kinds of distractions in this world, all kinds of voices that want our attention. But when we are aligned, those voices simply do not hold sway in our hearts. Amen? Look at, look at what it says, just a reminder, what it says to Joshua, what God said to Joshua in chapter 1 verse 7, be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law, all the word, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Everyone say, do not turn. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. That's a verse about alignment. You're not getting pulled to the right. You're not getting pulled to the left. Your tires aren't going this way. They're not going that way. You're moving this. You're moving directly in the purpose and plan and word of God. And that's kind of the internal realignment in our focus and walk that I want to talk about this morning to, to simplify, to refocus. And, you know, if you've been around new life for a while, you've heard love, grow, serve, love God, grow together, serve others. And I want to speak to that today, but in, in some language that's a little bit different. And I want to put it in terms of three P's, presence, people, and purpose. 
presence, people, and purpose. And to start off, I'd like you to join me in Mark 3, verse 14. Mark 3, 14. This is one of those anchor passages of Scripture I've returned to again and again, almost like a life verse for me. And we see these three categories here, presence, people, and purpose. But let's read this and discover a little bit about how we can be realigned today. So first of all, Mark 3, verse 14. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Verse 15. Everyone say, and. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't just send us out to do stuff, but there is an and? We're not going in our own strength, authority, ability, power, talent only. There is an and. There is a something more. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. And to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. If you are a person that writes in your Bible, I want to encourage you to underline the phrase that they might be with him and put in parentheses, me. That's for me. That's God's call on my life. These verses for me capture the essence of the life of a disciple. And the first thing we're going to look at in these verses is presence. My highest calling in life is the call into God's presence. I'm I'm talking about your life and my life. Say that with me. My highest calling in life is the call into God's presence. My highest calling. Most things in life... will not correctly work in our lives without being in God's presence. We'll be not at our best, not at our greatest potential when we are living disconnected. You're like, you're like Pastor Caleb, God is everywhere. I'm always in his presence. I'm not talking about his omnipresence. I'm talking about his manifest presence. Okay, you guys know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being connected with him. Like, of course, he's with us. Are we with him? You know, you, you, could, put it, you could put it like this, and this, might, this is another slide somewhere in there. You can find it if you're lucky and, and you're able to flow with me. I believe in you. Okay. Emmanuel means God with us. But discipleship is us with God. There's a difference. I'm talking about us with God when I talk. When I'm talking about presence this morning. Us with God. Amen? So, he ordained 12, and he ordains us and picks us to be with him. And, you know, this is the other side to the to be like him message. It's to be with him. They go together powerfully. When we're with him, we become like him. And I'll share a powerful verse at the end of this message that demonstrates that. I want to look at this, uh, this verse In a couple of different translations, let me take you to one other, the Passion. It says, he appointed the twelve whom he named apostles. He wanted them to be continually at his side as his friends. Continually as his friends. 
What do you do with friends? You spend time with friends, quality time. You hang out. You're with each other in the ups, downs, the ins and outs of life. You're, you're together. You're connected. And, there's the and. Everyone say and. So he could send them out to preach and have authority to heal the sick and to cast out demons. That's good bonus package there that happens out of being with Jesus. It's a natural outflow of being with him. Okay, so we see this put in a, a few different ways, looking at different translations. We see that he appointed the 12 that they might be with him. He appointed 12 to continue to be with him. It's not just a moment with him, but to continue to be with him. I want you to keep that word continue in your minds a little bit today. It's a powerful, important word in the life of a disciple. And it says that he wanted them to continually, uh, to be continually at his side as his friends. That's the call on our lives as well. And what we see in these verses is that being comes before doing anything with Jesus. He wanted them to be with him before they would do with him. He, we're human beings, not human doings. Now, we do get to do stuff. We saw that there is an and, but we're called to be. Jesus paid the price with his blood. He made a new and living way so we could come boldly before his throne of grace to be in his presence. He's, that's what he paid the price for, to be with him. And then ministry and, and activity and all the good, fun stuff of the kingdom flow from that place. But we are called to return to this place of being again and again and again and again. Jesus wants us to live and serve out of the overflow of that place, out of the overflow of that space, not out of burnout, not out of, you know, an empty tank. So in Revelation 2, we have a... A reminder to the church. Jesus in Revelation 2 and 3 is speaking to seven churches, the first being Ephesus. And he reveals himself to them as the one walking in the midst of the candlesticks. In other words, what it's saying is he's the one that's in the midst of his church. He is Emmanuel. He's with us. He's in us. He's among us. His presence is there and accessible. And he commends them for their works and for their labor and for their endurance. It was a huge attaboy, a huge great job, you guys. You're rocking it. You're doing so well. And then he takes them to this other... Uh, by the way, he also commends them for rejecting false teaching and for, you know, deserting false apostles. But then he brings a word of correction in verse 4. He says, nevertheless, I have... I have this against you that you have left your first love. And that means first in time, place, or priority. They were right in doctrine. They were tough in character. You know, like good qualities. And Jesus isn't saying like that doesn't matter. He's saying thank you. Come on. Like, thank you for loving the word. Thank you for obeying. Thank you for having some toughness. Thank you for not just faith. But, but guys, here's what's going to happen. If you don't come back to first love, you're not going to have the strength. It's not going to sustain. You're not going to be able to stay in this place. And you know what? Doing all of those things, like endurance and battling for the truth and all that stuff, it just becomes legalism without love. We're not meant just to, to be right. We're meant to be in his presence. And he says, you've got to come back to first love. I'm, I'm inviting you back to that place.
He told them to remember and return to that place of fiery love where their identity was in Jesus, not in being right. He wasn't telling them to be, you know, loosey-goosey with the truth and just make it all into something else. And And neither am I saying that today. They didn't have a bad focus, in other words. They just had a lesser one than they were called to. They were called back to that place of love. Back to that place of having a heart for his presence. And I love what he tells them to do in verse 5. He says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. Everyone say, remember. I want you to take a moment even now to remember a season or an encounter with God in your life where you felt close, where you felt on fire, where you felt the love of God burning in your heart, where you felt like, man, I just want to be in his presence. Just think about that for a moment. I want to tell you today, there's power in this exhortation from Jesus. If we can remember that place, if you've been to that place, you can go back to that place. That's what the word repent means. Go back. It's not the only thing it means, but in this context, it means go back to that priority where Jesus is your first love. Maybe you're like, Pastor Caleb, I'm not really feeling in love. Didn't ask that, actually. Love isn't a feeling, first and foremost. Love has feelings many times. Sometimes you go through a season where life is hard and the feelings aren't there. It doesn't mean, you don't, love isn't something you fall in and out of. It's something that you rise to. And it's like that in our walk with the Lord. So it's, it's like, there's this place that Jesus, if he's telling us that we can remember and we can repent, we can go back to it. There's power, there's authority in that word. And I'm here to tell you today, if there has been a season in your life where you've been close to the Lord, on fire for the Lord, where it was like a first love season in your life that you can, you can look at. I want to tell you today, that is the place you belong. That's not just supposed to be a, hey, wasn't that great when that happened. That is, and it's not even supposed to be the high watermark of your life. That's supposed to be kind of the standard of our lives, a place we can return to again and again and grow on and increase in from there. Can you say amen? You see throughout Scripture, people that had a heart for his presence. It says of Moses in Exodus thirty-three fifteen, he said, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't bring us up from here. I'd rather be in the wilderness with you than in the promised land without you. Psalm 27, 4, David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell. He's like, I know God's with us, but I want to dwell with God in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. And I I remember what happened with Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10. Mary was the one in Luke 10, 39, she was the one sitting at the feet of Jesus, hearing his word. And Martha was like, Jesus tell her to come and help me. And Jesus said, I'm not going to do that, Martha. Verse 42, Mary has chosen that good part. But look what it says before that. One thing is needed. Everyone say one thing. 
One thing. One thing have I desired. One thing is needed. Paul said, this one thing I do. There's this one thing attitude of saying, there's other things in life that are going to happen, but the one priority, the most important thing is his presence. We are called to be a people of his presence. You were created for his presence. You and I are called to be a people of his presence. We are presence people before we are any other kind of people. We are people that are formed for his presence, fashioned to walk with God. I want you to know something today. There is, your spirit knows how to get into God's presence. You're like, I don't know the way. You know the way. Your spirit man longs for, thirsts for the presence of God. And you know the way to get there. And Jesus has provided the way for us to get there. But sometimes it's about laying aside distraction and intentionally and consistently returning to that place of first love all over again. That's part of discipleship. So the question is, you know, will we deny ourselves and respond to Jesus to be with him. He laid down his life for us. Will we deny ourselves to be with him? We're, we're called to be lovers of his presence. And that's the place where my cup runs over. That's the place where my heart is fulfilled and satisfied. That's the place where your life begins to overflow with God's goodness. But discipleship, it's not really a but. It's just, it's just a, a reality. Discipleship requires intentionality and consistency. A presence lifestyle requires intentionality and consistency. It doesn't just happen. A great marriage doesn't just happen. A great friendship doesn't just happen. Yes, there's a commitment, but there's also an investment. There's spending quality time with each other. There's also spending quantity time with each other. Sometimes quality time happens because you are doing quantity time. Some people are like, well, I'm just going to go after quality time. I'm just going to do 30 minutes on Sunday morning of worship. That's my quality time with Jesus. But what if he wants to spend time with you other parts of your life? I'm, it's not what if. He does want to spend time with you in other parts of your life. And sometimes it's creating the space for quantity time that makes the quality time, the quality moments happen. They're both a beautiful thing. So intentionality is just that quality time of focused attention. Sitting at his feet in worship. Hearing his word. Time in the word. You know, when we talk about worship and praise, Sunday should not be the only time that you and I worship the Lord. The Bible says our lives are to be filled with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Like worship should be something that's going on Every day of our lives, we're called to be worshipers, not just to worship. It's something that we are. It's spirit. It's truth. It's, you know, it's, it's in all different kinds of, of ways. It's not even just music. It's not even just song. It's just, it's a heart attitude of worship and gratitude towards the Lord. And I, I just want to uh, affirm today that that's who God has called you to be. And that's what he's calling you and I to return to in this season, to come back to that place of his presence. We're talking about a life, the life of a disciple. We're talking about presence, people, and purpose. And we're starting with presence. It also requires consistency. The early church was described as a group that continued with the Lord. And that means to adhere to, to cling to, to be devoted to be constant, to continue. We live in such a transient culture. Things are always changing. Change is the one constant. 
But we need to rediscover some OG steadfastness and consistency. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? Like we're not just dipping out when something better is... Like we need to have some... Something internal that is so strong and so committed that we're not taken to the left and the right. That realignment that we're talking about. The early church was all in and they stayed all in. You know, they heard Jesus say, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth. But when they continued, they were saying to him, Lord, we are with you always, even till the end, to the end of the age. You hear what I'm saying? Like, that's the life of a disciple. Yes, we know that he's faithful. We know that he's promised, I'm with you always. But will we be with him always, even to the end of the age? That's the church Jesus is building today. That's the church you and I are a part of. Not a people that draw back. Not a people that shrink back. Not a people that go to the left and the right. But a people that go after him with everything that they are. A people that say, we aren't going to drift from you, slip from you, let distance grow, or or, or try to follow you from a distance. We're not going to be embarrassed of you or shrink back from you. We're going to follow you. We're going to love you. We're going to keep drawing near. We're going to to keep pressing him. We're going to keep making room for you in our lives. Emmanuel is God with us. Discipleship is us with God. So there's two other P's I want to talk about a little bit. The first P is the most important of the three, but you can't be a disciple without all three. You can't just be, you can't be a disciple just with, with presence only. It's going to flow into people. Number two is people. You can spend time in God's, excuse me, when you spend time in God's presence, you will automatically start to be drawn to people. And I don't care if you're an introvert or an extrovert. I mean, I care in the sense that you are you and it's nice to know you, but it doesn't matter. It's not relevant whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. You will be drawn to people. What do you mean? You'll be drawn to share the love of Jesus with people that don't know him. And you'll be drawn to fellowship with people that do know him. You'll, you'll want to pour into them. You'll want to be with them. You'll want to be around them. You want to, because you see Jesus in their lives. And you know that there's this secret. That there's, you know, this is amazing. There are some encounters that you can only have with God between you and him in your prayer closet. And if you don't ever seek him, you're going to miss so much in your walk and journey with the Lord. But there's some encounters with God you won't have by yourself. You will only have where two or three are gathered together in his name. And there he is in the midst of you. And it's a both and. And the kingdom of God is full of both ands. So there's a people part of this discipleship. Now, that first piece we were speaking of, presence, that corresponds to what we talk about in New Life Church is love God. I'm a lover of his presence. This people part is the grow together piece, the community piece that we emphasize here at New Life Church. And in Mark 3.14, we see they were called to be with Jesus, but it says that there were 12 of them. And that means that their call wasn't just to be like, you know, castaway Tom Hanks on an island just with Wilson and Jesus. By themselves, do you know that there's a reason that, peop- that people are put in solitary confinement? Because people in that world, in that, in that whole world of incarceration and criminal justice, understand that one of the worst punishments a person can have is to be totally by themselves. Jesus has not called you to solitary. He's not called you. To be off by yourself. Sure, there's moments you're like, but Jesus, Jesus went and prayed all night by himself. I know. We talked about that in number one. 
But then he came back and he was with his disciples the next morning. Even when he went to pray on the night that he was go before he went to the cross, he took three guys with him to pray with him. They fell asleep, but he took them anyway. But Pastor Caleb, people have hurt me. They've left me down. You know, a lot of times, let me down. A lot of times when people say, I just want to go do this by myself, what happened right before they said that was they got hurt by somebody, disappointed by somebody, let down by somebody. And I know that people will do that. I know that you and I will do that to each other. But it doesn't, that's because we're growing. And it doesn't negate the fact that we still need each other. And we've got to trust God in that scenario, not just trust, not trust man in that scenario, but trust God in that scenario to really uh, build connection between us. You see, when you spend time in God's presence, you will automatically start to have his heart for people. You just will. These 11, you know, these disciples put with 11 other disciples plus Jesus, they had different personalities, different gifts, different backgrounds. This is where they would learn to love. This is where they'd be transformed. This is where they'd grow. You see all the stories Jesus had to deal with these guys just like he deals with us. Oh man, they're like, Jesus, should we call down fire from heaven? Who's going to be the greatest? Arguing among themselves, all this. Jesus is like, okay, let's work on this one, guys. I knew this was going to come up. Let's address this now. It's what happens. Can you imagine? I mean, there were such diversity in this group. Some of them were blue-collar fishermen. Some of them were white-collar IRS people. <laughs> Luke wasn't one of the 12, but he was a physician. He was a disciple. There's incredible diversity. Look in Acts 13 and 11, Church of Antioch. Man, incredible diversity of age, of background, of education. And yet, Jesus didn't put Matthew, known as Levi, just in a life group with a bunch of other tax collectors and say, this is the tax collector life group, just for tax collectors over 50. And you fishermen over here, Andrew, James, John, Peter, you, you guys are in the fishing life group. Now, as much as I would personally love to be in that life group, I swear I would. I love fishing so much. We're not just called to be around people that share our same interests in the natural. God has put us together with people in his body. And there's this amazing mystery that God will not give you everything you need by yourself. He hasn't given anybody everything so everybody in the body could contribute something. You might have the t-shirt that says, all I need is Jesus and a good cup of coffee. But it's not, it's not really true, is it? It's not. It's, it's fun to say, but it's not really true. It's not even true to say, is Jesus, it's not even true to say, Lord, all I need is you. I mean, it's true in a sense, but if we really unpack it, we understand that he meets our needs. Some needs only get met. This is a great mystery. Some needs only get met through his body, not directly in our one-on-one -on -one with him because he's called us into interdependency. Yeah, Pastor Caleb, I don't know if I can... This, I was good with the presence part, but this people thing is a real rough one for me. I know. It's part of God's plan for your life, though. Come on. Embrace it. He's got good things for you. God has strategically planned to meet certain needs in your life through others in his body. 
And he's hidden blessings for your life within the mystery of, of his family. Some of the greatest gifts you will ever receive, ever, will come in packaging that you did not expect. We're formed for family. It's not good to be alone. And we're so busy, it's easy to feel alone. Or we also have so many opportunities to fill our free time with things that don't lead to connection with others. We can fill our lives with things that really aren't going to help us long term. And that's where it comes back to intentionality and consistency. Look what it says in Hebrews 10.25. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Matthew 18.20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. I am there. Some things in God's kingdom can only be received in your personal time with the Lord. Other things can only be received through fellowship with others. As you find his presence, the next thing that's going to happen, you're going to be drawn to people. You're going to find your people. And they might not be a fisherman. It might not just be you had something in common like fishing. It might not be that you had something, some age or generational thing in common. You might find that you're a Gen Xer and God's connecting you with millennials or with boomers. Or you might find that, you know, you, just whatever it is. Some people that don't share the same background as you. You grew up in the church and they didn't, but God connects you. And there's something wonderful in that connection. As you find your presence, as you find his presence, you will, he, you will find your people. I, mean, that, that, I messed it up. As you find his presence and seek his presence, you will find your people. You know, we're hearing a lot about life groups right now. There's announcements going on. Some of you are, be, are being trained as leaders. That's part of where you can intentionally connect. This month right now is the month where we're beginning to Train leaders, some of you have already been trained. Next month is our group formation month. I want to encourage you, be intentional about this. It's, so, it's such a huge part of your relationship with the Lord, of my relationship with the Lord, to connect in these ways. Does that only happen in life groups? It doesn't only happen in life groups, but we've got to be intentional and consistent about this in our lives. That's one of the ways we do it. Okay, let me finish up with Purpose. Obviously, I spent the most time in this message on presence, but purpose. As you spend time in his presence and find your people, you start to walk in your purpose. Sometimes we have this assumption, this underlying assumption that I need to like have this epiphany and then I can begin to walk in my purpose. And sometimes it happens that way in in a sense. But most of the time what happens is as we're in his presence and in fellowship with his people, God steers us because he knows what he, he knows what he made you to do. He knows the good works he's prepared beforehand for your life. He has a purpose for you. And it's going to unfold in the context of seeking his presence and being in fellowship in his family. So the life of the disciple looks like living in his presence, connecting with people, and living with purpose. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, God has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ, Christ Jesus, before time began. 
So there's this before time began peace. And that calling is according to his purpose and his grace. But we live, we step into that in the context of seeking his presence and connecting with his body. There's both a shared purpose and a unique individual purpose. There's a great commission and your unique assignment within that commission. We have things that we have purpose in common and we have unique assignments that are unique to us as individuals. But as you spend time in his presence and find your people, you start to walk in his purpose. You discover and start to do what you were born and destined to do. New life starts to flow through you. You get Mark 3.14 becomes Mark 3.15. The and factor begins to kick in to have power over sicknesses and to cast out unclean spirits. That's, that layer starts to happen in your life. Part of that purpose, part of God's purpose for you, And by the way, in our life track, we do this whole thing about shape and discovering your purpose. We can't do all that this morning. But part of God's purpose for you is to live a supernatural lifestyle. And I want to take you to an example in Acts chapter 4 as we close today that really, it basically unpacks what Jesus said to the disciples in Mark 3, 14 and 15. So let's go to Mark, excuse me, Acts 4, 13. This is all in the context of Peter and John healing a lame man in the name of Jesus on their way through the gate beautiful to go to pray at the temple. And in the, all of the uproar and reaction from that, after they've preached, after 5,000 more souls are added to the church, all of that, the Pharisees are like interrogating John and Peter. And in this interrogation, John and Peter answer them, and it says in verse, chapter 4, verse 13, When the Pharisees saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, read between the lines, they didn't talk like Pharisees. They still sounded like fishermen from Galilee. They didn't sound like lawyers. They were regular people. But it says they marveled. They marveled. The Pharisees, in this moment, before they could harden their hearts up again and, and get all angry again, they were, they were in awe of these guys. And here's what they took note of. They realized that these disciples had been with Jesus. He ordained 12 to be with him. They were among that group. Let me read it to you in the Passion Translation. This really grabbed me this week. The council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who had never had religious training. They did have three years with Jesus, but no religious training. Which one would you rather have? Listen to this next line. Fill these in. Then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. There is an effect that Jesus has on us simply. And there's really no other way to get, have this effect on you. 
but simply by spending time with him. The word anoint in scripture, it means to rub or to smear. And I'm telling you, when you spend time with the anointed one, something of his life gets rubbed off on your life. Something of his anointing gets onto you. And now the world around you can step back and marvel and realize, man, I think that's one of those Jesus people. The next verse, verse 14 says, And beholding the man who had been healed next to them, they had no, nothing more to say. It's what we call being naturally supernatural. It's ordinary people walking with an extraordinary God that leads to a supernatural life. Ordinary people were visibly affected by Jesus simply by spending time with him. This is the simplicity of discipleship, church. This is the recalibration, the realignment of our hearts the Lord wants to bring today and in this season. What will happen when the world begins to see and feel the effect Jesus has on us simply by spending time with him? There's one word that describes that. It's the word revival. That's what happens when the world sees the effect not of religious training and I'm, I, I love training there's a difference between kingdom training and religious training <laughs> we love kingdom training and equipping people that's part of what the church is to do but I'd like to invite our team to come back up we're going to wrap this up this morning I feel like if we can just put Acts 4.13 back up this is our call. The last two lines on the screen. Simply spending time with him. Yes, it's, it's intentional and it's consistent. Some people look at this like, like their New Year's resolution to go to the gym, and they go to the gym, and they try to get in shape in one day. Or they say to themselves, I'm going to read the Bible in one week, and I'm going to pray three hours a day, and I'm going to fast. And they fail at all three, and then they're disappointed, and they don't spend time with the Lord. Don't do that. Be consistent. Create space in your weekly schedule for personal praise and worship. Create space in your weekly schedule for the Word. It could be five or ten minutes a day. It could be 15 minutes. Do some soaps. You remember soaps? Soap is an acronym. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. I'm just reading scripture. Slowly, I'm chewing on it. I'm letting the Lord speak to me and I'm, I'm just responding to that. Just be like Mary. She sat at his feet in worship and listened to his word. I want to encourage you when you read your Bible, read it slowly enough to listen to the voice of the Lord in the words. See, we can, and by the way, it, Sometimes we just read it because, like, I'm scheduled to read it. It's on my calendar. I'm going to read the Bible. I check my plan. Everybody I'm in the plan with knows I did it. I can rest easy. 
I get it that there's even, there's even value just to doing that. There is. And sometimes when I'm reading fast, I try to pay attention to the part that really grabbed me, and I go back and read that part slow. And listen for the voice of the Lord in His Word. And friends, what's going to happen to us, let's stand up, what's going to happen to us is people are going to start to see more and more around you that you've been with Jesus. Maybe not a physical glow like Moses, but a, a spiritual glow that you're carrying an atmosphere in your life. Moses glowed after he encountered God and everybody saw it and felt it. Something like that. Where it's just kind of obvious. There's so much love. There's so much peace. There's so much joy. It's just kind of obvious. That is what you are destined to be. That's what you're destined to carry. This is the life of the disciple. So let's pray this morning. Father, today, we just thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you for the invitation into your presence, to be a people of your presence that love God, to be a people that are connected to other people that grow together, to be a people of purpose that serve others, but it all flows out of your presence. It all flows out of spending time with you. Lord, I pray this morning, put, if, just put your hand on your heart if you haven't done that already. Put your hand on your heart. Lord, I pray over our hearts that today you would bring a realignment. And this is the moment right now. There's some of you that have faced distractions and disappointments. One of those two things. And they have pulled you to the right or to the left. And the Lord right now is inviting you to give those things to Him and let your tires get realigned right now for this season. Because we're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. Give those things to Him this morning. Father, all around the room, by your Spirit, I pray that you do a holy work of realignment in us. We invite you. Holy Spirit, come. Search my heart. Try me. Test me. If there's any wicked way, Lord, take it out. Lord, I pray that you would open our ears to hear the call to first love today. And in the hearing, there would be the remembering and the returning. 